Well, was anybody at the uh, prayer service yesterday? Wasn't that a powerful moment? Um, it's such an honor, isn't it, to pray for somebody? And what a blessing it is to have someone pray for you. But we have to remember, prayer can be dangerous. Because true prayer is unpredictable, isn't it? That's because in prayer, we're engaging in miraculous conversation with Almighty God. And Almighty God can't be tamed. Remember that when you enter into prayer. I mean, when, when we pray that God would move a massive hurricane away from people, we're acknowledging that God has the power to do whatever he wants to do. And acknowledging that God has the power and we don't, well, that's a tough admission for us to make. At least it is for me. Especially for those of us, you all raise both hands, who like to be in control. I admit it. I've been accused, and probably stand guilty of it, of being overly organized in my life. For example, I got moved into my office upstairs, but I'm still not happy because every book is not right where it needs to be. During the 20 plus years I was in pastoral ministry, I planned my sermons a year at a time. And amazing to see God do great themes and great works. When our family went to Disney World with our, when our kids were little, I organized our magical week with an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. I thought, hey, well, when we get there, we won't have to say, well, what do you want to do now? We say, it's right here on the spreadsheet. It made sense. When Cheryl and I went on a cruise, we, we hadn't been on the ship for more than a minute when I had ideas of how the cruise line could be more efficient. It's a curse. I don't, I don't know. But as you're discovering, maybe you've already discovered this, being called by God to a life in ministry is anything but predictable or organized or efficient. That's not how God works all the time. I remember 27 years ago when Cheryl and I sold my car so we could rent a U-Haul to move from Waco, Texas to Wilmore to attend seminary. Sold that Honda for 1,200 bucks and it paid for the U-Haul. We came to a campus we had never visited. We moved into a duplex that we rented that we had never seen. And for this control freak, I was out of my, how they say, comfort zone. The engine of our U-Haul truck caught fire in Hope, Arkansas. At least if you're gonna catch fire, it's in Hope, right? When we arrived at our, at our duplex in Nicholasville, it was so filthy, we had to clean it before we could unload our weary truck. A month later, a tree fell on our car on Jessamine Station Road. I, rem I remember wondering why all of this was happening. Was God trying to tell us to get back to Texas? Was God testing us to see how committed we were? Or were all of these things just the coincidences of life? Why can't God be predictable? Why can't God be easy to discern? 
Our scripture today is an account of one of the strangest healings of Jesus recorded in scripture. In fact, this miraculous healing is only found in Mark's gospel. Some have called this the healing that took two times to get right. And as we go through this, I think you're going to notice that this passage of scripture seems to raise more questions than it provides answers. If you have your Bible with you, notice in verse 22 that it was the people who begged Jesus to touch this blind man. This blind man didn't ask Jesus to touch him or to heal him. So was, was Jesus being forced on this poor guy? I guess we should ask the question, did the man want to be healed? I don't think we should assume he did. The Bible doesn't say. And in verse 23, Jesus takes the man by the hand and leads him out of the village. It doesn't say that anybody else was with him, including those who begged Jesus to heal him. Jesus takes him out of the village. Why not heal him in the village? Well, we don't really know. And then Jesus spits into this man's eyes and lays hands on his eyes. Seems kind of unsanitary, don't you think? I mean, the people ask Jesus to touch him, not spit on him. I mean, today, if you were leading a healing service at your church and you spit on your parishioners, probably wouldn't go so well for you. Even if you said, hey, it's in the Bible, Jesus did it. Why didn't Jesus just say to this man, you are healed? Mark's text doesn't tell us why any of these things happened. So after spitting on the man's eyes and rubbing the spittle in, a little gross, but it's Jesus. Jesus asked this man, well, can you see anything? Now, why did Jesus ask that? He's the son of God. He already knows. If Jesus asked anything, you'd think he'd ask, what can you see? Instead, Jesus asked, can you see anything? It's almost as if Jesus wondered if it worked. So the man replies, well, I can see people, but they, they look like trees walking around. Now, a little timeout. Can I do a timeout in a sermon here? Okay, timeout. Could this be where Tolkien got the idea for ants? <laughs> Sorry, but if you know me, you knew I had to go there. Sorry, okay. The man was seeing blurry. His eyesight wasn't totally restored. He had 2,400 vision or something like that. And notice here that he knew what trees looked like. This man had probably not been born blind. Sometime earlier in his life, he had lost his vision. Like we sometimes do in our relationship with God or in our calling. So Jesus lays hands on the man's eyes one more time. Why didn't he spit again? I don't know. 
This time, the man focused intently. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly, finally. Now, sometimes we we go through life with a blurry calling from God. We know God's leading us, but we don't have clarity about what that means. We know God is calling us to set apart ministry, but it's all fuzzy in our minds and in our hearts. We need the Holy Spirit to touch our lives a second time or a third time to bring clarity to our lives. And over the years, I've I've known and worked with many pastors who have struggled with ministry burnout. And people have told them, if you don't forget your calling, you're not going to burn out. Respectfully, I think that counsel does more harm than good. Remembering our calling's fine, but it's not nearly enough. What's going to help pastors resist burnout in ministry or students get burned out in seminary is their relationship with Jesus. Only a touch or a second touch from God could bring Holy Spirit clarity to our lives. But just like the mysterious healing of this blind man, a life in Christ is full of mysteries. The life of a disciple of Jesus is full of unpredictability and unsolvable enigmas. And that gets frustrating at times because we like to know what's going to happen, don't we? And when and how. Because deep down, we all like to be in control. But you know, when we have everything under control and all the issues figured out and a master plan before us, what need do we have of God? See, God himself is a mystery. There's no way the gray matter between our ears can comprehend everything about God. And again, that's thinking that is contrary to our desire for, for control. We want to control our lives. We want to control the lives of others. And we even want to control how God operates in the world. Lord have mercy. Psalm 97.2 states that clouds and darkness surround God. Doesn't that sound kind of strange? I mean, I thought God the Father is about clearly revealing himself to us through his Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's clear. But how can clouds and darkness surround God? See, there's aspects of God we'll never be able to comprehend. Because if we could, then the nature of who God is would be diminished. I'm ask you a question. Does, does your life need a second touch from Jesus today? Think about that. Maybe Christ has touched your life, but your call to ministry is still blurry. Maybe you're still trying to figure it all out. When Cheryl and I arrived in Wilmore in the summer of 1990, I honestly didn't know why we were here. I've been called to ministry since when I was 10 years old. 
there's no way that I thought I could do the work of a pastor. No way. I mean, for one thing, I was a chronic stutterer. I was far more comfortable communicating through the written word than public speaking. And I knew those Sundays would come around. Oh, mercy, we'd be the last church to, to Chili's. So I, so I put off taking my required preaching class until I had no other choice. Back then, the advising was done by the faculty, and John Oswalt sat me in his office, and he said, Mike, you must take preaching. <laughs> Never forget that moment. I mean, I was in seminary. I was called to ministry, but my call was blurry at that point. Jesus had touched my life, but I didn't have clarity about God's ability to work through me. So I stood in that preaching classroom about to deliver my 10-minute homily on Psalm 121. I still have the videotape. It's about, those tapes were about that big back then. And as I started, a couple of students were huddled in the corner praying. I'm sure they thought that it'd take me 25 minutes to get through this 10-minute homily. Jerry Mercer was my professor. He sat in the back of the room and he pressed play on the recorder and the little light starts flashing on the camera. And I opened my mouth and by the grace of God, I have not stuttered since. Jesus had touched my life a second time, bringing clarity to my call. And on that day, I realized that if God had given this stuttering fool the ability to preach, I wasn't going to hold back. Now, incidentally, when my little homily was over, Professor Mercer stood up. He said, I can't talk about this now. And he walked out of the room. <laughs> so I, I said to the, the students, I said, was it that bad? <laughs> Do you think I flunked? In what ways, let me ask it again, do you need a second touch from Jesus today? You may have a call to ministry. You may be active in ministry. But are you living the holy, sanctified, set-apart life that God desires for you? In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul writes, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you completely and entirely. Do you desire to be sanctified completely and entirely by the Holy Spirit? To be touched a second time by the Spirit so you may be the person that God created you to be. See, a life like that is the only way for us to live with clarity and purpose and peace. Maybe like I did, you have doubts about God's ability to work through you. All these doubts do is to create a blurry understanding of yourself and of God. Think about this. That blind man, even though his eyesight was blurry after the spit and touch, he could have said, 
Well, thanks, Jesus. This is a real improvement. I can get around like this. Thanks. This is wonderful. Instead, he told Jesus the reality of his situation. I can see, but everything's blurry. Are you settling for a myopic life with Christ? Is your calling to ministry unclear? In Philippians 3.10, Paul writes that he wants to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Not guess, not wonder, not doubt, but know. Do you know? When we look at this strange, mysterious healing of this blind man, we find so many unanswered questions, don't we? It's just like the mysteries and unanswered questions of a call to ministry and of ministry itself. Yet one of the greatest mysteries of all is right before us. You've, it's been sitting on the altar table the entire time you've been here, before you got here, it was here. It's the Lord's Supper. Is it a solemnity or is it a celebration? Is it a remembrance or is it a presence? Is it about repentance or forgiveness? Well, it's about all of those. And more, it's a mystery. And in this mysterious holy meal, Jesus meets us where we are even before we come forward to receive these elements. It's in this great mystery that we live in Christ and we live for Christ so that others might come to know Christ. But what if we can't make sense of it all? I know you think we professors have all the answers, but we don't. For me, as long as God knows all the details, y'all, I'm good to go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you truly are a mysterious God. We think of all the ways that you have touched our lives, the twists and turns of life that we did not expect. When the storms of life come and disrupt everything we know about life, you are still there. Lord, we thank you for touching our lives. And Lord, some of us in this chapel or community of seminarians, yet, Lord, life may be cloudy. Our vision of you, Lord, may not be clear. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will come and touch each life in this room. Lord, do a new thing in us. Bring crystal clear clarity to our lives. We may not always understand why you do the things you do, Lord, but we can trust you. and That's good enough for us. We pray all this in the 
precious name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord.